0: As we head into what would normally be college final exams, senior week parties, and graduation ceremonies, we think about the celebrations and rites of passage that college seniors will, sadly and unfortunately, never get to experience. Among them are University of Illinois seniors Andres Felice, Kipper Nichols, and Tyler Underwood. They and Io Dosumu, who recently declared for the NBA draft, more than likely have played their final games in Champaign. It's a shame because this past season squad had the chance to go to the Sweet 16, or perhaps further, for the first time since the best team in program history went to the NCAA championship game in 2005. In the absence of that opportunity, I want to relive and rediscover that 2004-05 Illinois men's basketball team whose five starters all went on to play in the NBA. The obvious first memory to spring to mind is one of the greatest comebacks in NCAA tournament history. The Illini coming back from a 14-point deficit with 4 minutes remaining to beat the Arizona Wildcats and advance to the Final Four for just the second time in 52 years. I remember watching that game and the two that followed it, intently, on what was, in 2005, a small and quite outdated TV set. But, what I had not remembered was how great and exciting the Illini really were. The numbers, the most wins in program history, and the most wins to that point of any team in NCAA history. Illinois won its first 29 games and did not lose its first game of the season until its regular season finale during the first week of March. The Illini went into the NCAA championship game with just one defeat. Those numbers do not bring back to life how great the team was. The numbers give the outline sketch of their greatness, but not the full picture. I'm your host, Jake Williams, and this is Wrecking the Toy Department. But we'll explore the void left by the postponement and cancellation of all major live sports events, and the reason why sports means so much to us. On this episode, I'm looking back at the greatest ever squad of one of the most regularly unsung teams in the state of Illinois, the University of Illinois men's basketball team. On December 1st, 2004, the fifth game of the season, the third-ranked Illini hosted top-ranked Wake Forest at Assembly Hall in Champaign. The Demon Deacons were led by Chris Paul, now a 10-time NBA All-Star and future Hall of Famer, whose top 10 stat comps through 14 seasons on basketballreference.com include Kobe Bryant, Magic Johnson, and the NBA logo himself, Jerry West. I would have guessed that this was going to be a tight matchup, and that was how CBS sports analyst Jay Billis thought the game would play out. Before the tip off, he described the scene as having a Final Four atmosphere. However, it didn't take long for him to change his tune.
1: Head off the feed from Williams, a three for Luther Head. He has ten. That's the way a point guard's supposed to play. Augustine, the rejection. Brown, the one man fast pick. Three, Mr. Runner. Head with him. Numbers on the break for the Illini. Nice look. Skip Prosser gets the timeout. Nothing working here for Wayne. Numbers. McBride steps into a three. It's like a drill in practice right now, the way they're running the floor, distributing the basketball, and acknowledging the pass. And Wake Forest is just stunned. They've got glazed looks on their faces. When they came into this building, Illinois punched them right in the mouth.
0: Those highlights courtesy of CBS Sports. The Illini faithful were screaming in unison on December 1st, were number one, and they were right. The Illini would take over the number 1 ranking in the next Associated Press poll and go on from there to win 25 straight games, before finally suffering their first loss in the regular season finale three months later. I was stunned that Illinois kept winning. The program had and still has virtually no basketball pedigree. When I was in middle school, some of my favorite college players of all time, Nick Anderson, Kendall Gill, Kenny Battle, and Marcus Liberty, led the 1989 Illini squad to the Final Four for the first time since 1952. For the next 11 years, the team never got past the second round of the NCAA tournament. But in the year 2000, Bill Self arrived and made Illinois an immediate and legitimate Final Four contender. In Self's first season, the Illini were ranked third in the nation in late February and went on to the Elite Eight after defeating a bona fide powerhouse, the Kansas Jayhawks. The following year, they went to the Sweet 16. Champaign, Illinois was finally on the college basketball map, but wouldn't last for long. In 2003, Illinois lost in the second round of the NCAA tournament, and Self left for Kansas. Rather than choosing to make Illinois into a real perennial contender, Self had instead opted to use it as a stepping stone for what he considered a better job. My feeling then was, Illinois got dumped again. Little did I know then that for the next coach, the Illinois program would be the pinnacle of his coaching career, and that he would lead the Illini to greater heights than they have seen before or since. I remember watching Bruce Weber leading Southern Illinois to the Sweet 16 in 2002, enjoying watching the Salukis become, for a weekend at least, the Cinderella team of the tournament. The next year, I took a break from my graduate school studies to gather with some classmates and watch what became a tense game between Weber Salukis and our Missouri Tigers. It came down to a questionable foul call with four seconds remaining. One Weber later said should not have been called. For the Tigers to survive their first round matchup by a score of 72 to 71 and send Weber's Salukis back to Carbondale. While I was impressed with the Salukis, I didn't have high hopes for the Illini when Weber took over before the 2003-04 season. Fortunately for me and Illinois fans, Weber had a lot more confidence in himself and the team he was taking over than we did. As he told Dan McNeil and Danny Parkins during a March interview on 670 The Scores McNeil and Parkins show in Chicago.
1: I had just taken over and I actually gave them a t-shirt a year and a half before it actually happened. It was an arch on it with the NCA logo and on the back, it was gonna be the 100th year of Illinois basketball, the anniversary, and I put April 2nd through the fourth Illini basketball family reunion, St. Louis, Missouri. That that
0: reunion Weber was referring to was scheduled for an event Illinois had never been a part of in its program's history, the NCAA Tournament Championship game. Little more than a year later, the Illini had crushed number 1 Wake Forest. Their home fans were screaming, We're number 1! We're number 1! And the Illini were well on their way to making the goal of those shirts a reality. So, how did they do it? First off, every member of that year's starting five, d Brown, Luther Head, Darren Williams, Roger Powell, and James Augustine, eventually played in the NBA. Then there was their innovative style of offensive play. Take a quick look back at some of the NBA's bigger names in 2005. Shaquille O'Neal, Yao Ming, Tim Duncan, all of whom played in the post. Centers and power forwards, who were their respective team's offensive focal points. Then there was Illinois. Which, as Bruce Weber explained to McNeil and Parkins back in March, banked its ahead of its time offense on an entirely different premise. That starting three guards, Williams, Brown, and Head, all of whom were listed at six foot three or shorter, and attempting an inordinate number of three pointers was the path to success.
1: We played small ball before small ball was popular. James Augustine was a, a four man that played five, Roger Powell was a three that played four, and then we played three guards that all played in the NBA. We did some things, uh, I guess, a little ahead of, your, ahead of everybody basketball-wise.
0: The Illini's offense was electric as their bright orange uniforms. That season, the Illini attempted more three-pointers per game, 22.5, than all but two teams in all of American basketball, the Louisville Cardinals and the NBA's Phoenix Suns. Luther Head set a program record that still stands with 116 made three-pointers, a number that at the time was just three shy of the Big Ten single-season record. Illinois would go on to set what was then an NCAA tournament record with 16 made three-pointers in their Elite Eight win over Arizona. Former Chicago Sun-Times sports reporter Herb Gould would later write that the Illini became such a phenomenon that the paper covered them like a pro team. In 20 years on the Illinois basketball beat, Gould wrote that what he called the Dee and Darren years were the only ones that demanded that he make the two-and-a-half-hour drive to Champaign for practice day interviews on a regular basis. The Illini made everything cool, even the color of their uniforms, a fluorescent orange normally reserved for traffic cones and hunting vests. But there it was, D. Brown in his bright orange number 11 jersey, thumbs hooked inside his jersey to show off the word Illinois stitched into the chest, on the cover of the March 7, 2005 edition of Sports Illustrated. The photo was shot after a sequence during a February 8th win over Michigan, in which Brown turned three straight steals into baskets during a single minute-long sequence. After what seemed like a small speed bump, the regular season finale lost to Ohio State, Illinois rolled into the Big Ten Tournament as the odds-on favorite to win the title and earn the overall number one seed in the NCAA Tournament. Illinois was flying high as they headed into their quarterfinal matchup against Northwestern. However, about an hour before the game, Bruce Weber's mother was picking up her ticket for the game when she began feeling chest pains. She was rushed to the hospital to undergo surgery to repair a ruptured aorta. Very sadly, the 81-year-old Don Weber did not make it. Bruce Weber did not know of her condition until after the game. Speaking to the media then, he said his mom told his siblings not to tell him before the game because, quote, my mom wanted me to coach, unquote. Weber went on to say that he would coach his team in the tournament semifinals the following day. The Illini strapped on small black Velcro bands to their jerseys as a tribute to their coach's mother as they took the floor for their next game, a semifinal matchup against Minnesota. Cheering fans held up signs of support for Weber as the Illini took a 14-point lead late in the second half. Though the Golden Gophers cut the lead to just two with 5.58 remaining, Illinois hung on to win by eight. Weber said he never second-guessed the decision. Telling reporters after the win, There have been a lot of tears since 6 o'clock yesterday. Tears for good things. Of all the time we had together, she was a great mom. At the same time, it is emotional. You get a little bit of a knot in your stomach. Basketball is a very important part of our lives. She loved it. My late dad loved it. We thought it would be the best thing to do. Illinois claimed the Big Ten tournament title with a 54-43 win over Wisconsin and were selected as the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. Three double-digit wins later, Illinois was into the Elite Eight for the first time since 1989 and facing off against the three-seed Arizona Wildcats, whose starting five included four future NBA players in Hassan Adams, Channing Frye, Sleem Stoudemire, and Mustafa Shakur. Their game was about as wild as a March Madness can possibly get. It blew me away how good that Arizona squad was. Until that Elite Eight game, Illinois had just four games all season, through 36 to that point, that were decided by fewer than 10 points. A single one-point loss and three other games, the Illini won by single digits. Illinois jumped out to an early lead, but Arizona kept the game close. Through the first 30 or so minutes, neither team appeared to have an advantage. Then, suddenly, Illinois couldn't hit a shot. The three-pointers they'd been hitting all season, and for a good portion of the game, were missing their mark. Their quick hands were a split second late on defense, and the game started slipping away. Even re-watching it recently, and knowing that Illinois would come back, I just didn't see how that was going to happen. Fifteen years later, it still looked to me like the Wildcats were going to run away with it.
1: Arizona has exploded into a 15-point lead, only four minutes to go. Darren Williams gets three out of that 15-point lead. Illinois has relied way too much on the three in this game. Half of the Illini shots have been behind the arc. 26 of their 52 shots have been threes. That is not a balanced offense. Luther head another three and he hits this one. Less than three minutes left. Desperation time for these Illinois fans who certainly are the partisan crowd here at Rosemont. Head can't hit that one. Deep around in with the big guys able to get the rebound and score in
0: a little more than a minute the Illini had cut the deficit from 14 to 9 and then they couldn't get closer now I didn't turn the game off because it's the lead eight and it's always possible anything could happen but it felt like hope was leaving the building in my memory the comeback was a steady cutting of the deficit as Illinois kept the pressure on Arizona but that was not at all how it played out up nine with 248 left Arizona called timeout and made a defensive switch. For a little while it worked, and with 62 seconds left, the Wildcats led 80-72. to
1: Harris Head! Another steal! Luther Head! <laughs> Hope still vibrates for these Illini fans. Arizona's got to be more aggressive on the offensive end. They're just trying to hang on. Luther Head! He hits the three! And what a game by Luther Head! Oh, they don't call the foul, and D. Brown gets two. Oh, my. 45 seconds left. A three-point game. What a comeback. The Illini showing the heart of a champion. Williams could tie it with a three. He goes! Tied at 80, 38 seconds to go. The final seconds to decide the team that advances to the final four. Illinois is making 15 points in the last four minutes!
0: Even though I knew what was going to happen, I was stunned that the Illini needed just 24 seconds to erase that eight-point deficit. I thought it took the whole four minutes for Illinois to come back, that they managed to tie the game at the end of regulation. Instead, the game was tied at 80 with 31 seconds left. The Wildcats would still have one last shot to win. Now, I don't know what play Arizona coach Lute Olson drew up during the timeout before this possession but there is no way the play the wildcats actually ran is what their coach called they wasted 20 seconds just getting into their offensive set yet still somehow had three separate chances to knock down
1: mcclellan the freshman way off the mark. tried to throw the ball to Williams. stoudemire no foul adams counts as it goes it's short We go to overtime. It'll be interesting to see if Arizona can snap out of it because they had this game won. All they had to do was be strong with the ball, step to the line, and hit their free throws. And they were off to St. Louis. To Williams for three. He tied it. He gives Illinois the lead. Beautiful pass by Stoudemire, and Fry jams it down. Arizona back in front by one. Powell is free. Kissed every part of the rim. Illinois in front, 85-84. Overtime, 3:02 left. Williams, he has gone for the three, and he hits again. The Illini by four. Two minutes to go. Luther head. Oh my!
0: Overtime is nerve-wracking for me as well because the Illini led by six. 90 to 84 with a minute 40 left but from there they did not score another point like the end of regulation arizona would have another shot at a game winning basket as time ran down for me the only similar game viewing experience to this roller coaster ride was game 7 of the 2016 world series with 11.8 seconds left, Arizona inbounded the ball at half court with a chance to bounce the Illini from the tournament and head to the final four for the second time in five years.
1: Ten seconds, Shakur, eight seconds. Adams ball. with three, he's got to hurry. Finally forced to shoot, and the ball game is over. Illinois in overtime advances to the final four
0: those highlights courtesy of CBS Sports. With the win, Illinois had made Bruce Weber's 18-month-old proclamation come true. They were headed to the Final Four for just the second time since 1952. Now the road to the first national championship game in program history would go through Louisville. The Cardinals, led by presumptive Hall of Fame coach Rick Pitino, had throttled No. 25 Georgia Tech and No. 8 Washington before surviving its own Elite Eight overtime matchup against West Virginia. To do so, Louisville had to overcome a 20-point second-half deficit. After the game, Patino, whose team trailed by 13 at halftime, admitted to reporters that he'd lied to his squad when he told them prior to the second half that he was certain they could defeat the Mountaineers. But they did, and reached the Final Four for the first time since 1986. The first half ended with Illinois leading 31-28. to Try as they might through the first seven and a half minutes of the second half, Illinois couldn't shake the Cardinals. The Illini led 45-44 when Luther Head started to find his range from behind the arc, hitting on his first four attempts of the second half and propelling the Illini on a 19-7 run on to a 64-51 lead with 4.25 remaining.
1: Head, three-point shot. How about that one? Another three, and Luther Head delivers again. Luther, he's hot. And he hits again for the third time in the half. Rick has got to get out of the zone. He's got to go man-to-man. This Illinois team really is a smart ball club. Luther Head. And for the fourth time in this half. And the final 25 seconds. And Illinois going to have... An experience the school has never experienced in 100 years of basketball. They are going to be playing in the championship game.
0: Those highlights, courtesy of CBS Sports. Luther had caught fire and we couldn't get back in the game, Louisville's Ellis Miles told reporters. In a New York Times story the day after Illinois' Final Four win, Joe Drape wrote that Bruce Weber had seen the joy start leaking out of his team, culminating with the Illini struggling to overcome Arizona. So on the way from Champaign to St. Louis to play in the Final Four, Weber had his team make a pit stop along the way to go bowling. The outing served its purpose as a release valve, and as Drape wrote, quote, The Illini played with an exuberance that had been missing, and the Cardinals looked like the wrong team on the playground, unquote. It's hard to believe the victory that sent Illinois to its first ever title game was anticlimactic, but after a whirlwind of a comeback against Arizona in the Elite Eight, that win over Louisville had faded from my memory. Until I went back and looked at the schedule, I thought the Arizona victory was in the Final Four, that that had been the win that sent the Illini to the championship game against North Carolina. Sadly, that is where this charm season ended, one win short. Illinois lost seventy-five seventy to North Carolina, and that was that. It seemed going in that Illinois was going to win, that the dream season would end with the crown, but it did not. However, the loss can never mar the brilliance of that team and that season. Fifteen years later, Chicago Sports Radio celebrated the anniversary of the spectacular comeback win over Arizona. It is Bruce Weber, long since fired into Camp to Kansas State, whom we will remember, along with the triple-threaded guard, Dee Brown, Luther Head, and Darren Williams, because they gave us the gift of the greatest basketball season the University of Illinois has ever had. And we got to go along for the ride, the 29 straight wins to open the season, the sadness and celebration following Don Weber's death, and the brilliant run through the NCAA tournament, including an historic win over Arizona in the Elite Eight and a 15-point victory over Louisville in the Final Four. And, as well, the disappointment that things did not end as we had hoped when North Carolina won the final game of the season on April 4th. It's perhaps ironic that in 2005, unlike all other years, the biggest sports story of the day in Chicago was not Major League Baseball's opening day, but instead the NCAA title game. However, in retrospect, it seems entirely appropriate that the final game of one of the greatest seasons in one of the state of Illinois' most unsung teams fell on the same day. The most underappreciated team in professional sports history began its march toward its first World Series title in 88 years. This is where we'll pick up on the next episode of Wrecking the Toy Department, my story of the 2005 Chicago White Sox, the second team in the second city. Until then, thank you for listening.